Hello and welcome to another Footy Feed special. I am Riley Beveridge. I'm joined by Mitch Cleary. And today we will be analysing everything Geelong throughout the shutdown period. Mitch, how are you going? Going well, thank you, Riley. Bit to get through with the Cats. There is. They're a side that's in a bit of a weird position after round one. I mean, I think everyone still expects them to, to be a side that would definitely challenge for the finals. But they sort of got taught a lesson in round one by the Giants and they looked uh, pretty flat, didn't they? Yeah, I don't think they did a great deal wrong, but pretty tough to go up to, to Sydney. Uh, no Jack Stephen in that team. Um, Selwood and Duncan coming off pre-season injuries and expect to contend with that midfield. So um, I think that result went went as planned. Um, the one positive for me was the performance of Gary Ablett. There's a few questions starting to sort of circle after he had a pretty quiet pre-season, and I thought he was brilliant in that game against the Giants. 24 touches almost 500 metres gained, and, and he was damaging with his touches and just his ability to control proceedings across half forward was exciting. But I've still got questions around their midfield, and, and we're not, when it's not Patrick Dangerfield, who is it? Because Joel Selwood, he turns 32 this year. I think he's still got a lot of good footy in him. But without Tim Kelly, that explosive breakaway player, I think they need to try and find a few of those guys in that middle tier to, to step up into that next uh, next realm. Jack Stevens an interesting one because he saw him come back into St Kilda's side late last season and play predominantly forward. Whether or not his fitness uh, or his lack thereof had something to do with that's another question. Where do you see him playing his footy for the Cats in in twenty twenty when he does get onto the park? I thought the first month, you know, in preseason in a, in a proper season, we were going to see him more forward and, and bursts um, through the midfield. But that game in Colac, he, he played. He was he was super that day. Probably close to the Cats' best and. He just battled some hamstring soreness um, in the lead-up to round one. And let's be honest, it probably turned out to be the right decision in the end. You wouldn't have wanted a player like Jack Stephen, who has had soft tissue injuries. He had a calf uh, in January um, to, to, carry, to, to go in underdone and not um, and to get injured and to have that hanging over his head um, through the shutdown period because it was always up in the air whether we were going to go into round two or three. But... Just that game in Colac, I think now he's more of a midfielder and think the need for him in that midfield has been exaggerated now because, um, or, or heightened now because when it comes outside of danger field, if Narkel still has a, a few hoops to jump through, uh, Parfit has you know still a few things in his game to work through, there's not a lot of other guys that will break the game open and Jack Stephen is one of those guys. I want to ask you about the ruck situation because it's always one that's, highly debated at the Cattery. What does their best ruck setup look like at the moment? Because I'm not sure what they went with in round one is going to get them through an entire season. Yeah, if I had a dollar for every ruck story or time I've discussed the Geelong ruck situation, um, I'd be a wealthy man, Riley. They went with Darcy Fort. Reese Stanley, who's out of contract this year, sat out <laughs> round one. And there's going to be a few question marks come on to what happens with Reese now. Um, Fort held his own for the first half against Sam Jacobs and then um, the experience probably got the better of the of him as the game went on. I still think deep down the Cats' main priority in their ruck is to have a Savarada Galea yeah. as their number one ruck. And I don't think it's this year. He might need a bit more um, fitness into his, into his tank to be able to run out a full game. He's going to play his eight to 10 minute bursts in the ruck. But I think the Cats love his follow-up. They love his ability to get around the ground. In the meantime, I think you're splitting hairs between Darcy Fort and Reese Stanley. They're just going to have to make it work with one of them. And uh, whoever's in the best form is probably going to get the nod. If Asafa Ranagalea does move into the ruck in a full-time position, 
in the future, what does their what does their attack look like? I mean, Tom Hawkins is the key tool down there at the moment, and he's profiting from a bit quicker ball movement they've been trialing throughout the summer. Uh, there's been a few links to to Jeremy Cameron already. It's a long way away, but there's been a few links. What what does their their best forward setup look like going going forward, if you if you will, especially if Radical is in the ruck? When Chris Scott puts his head on the pillow each night, I, I think his ideal scenario for twenty twenty one would to be Radical in the ruck, Tom Hawkins at full forward. And Jeremy Cameron at centre half forward, and I know that's a pipe dream. And Jeremy Cameron still had a contract, but from all the talk, going to stay at the Giants. Um, Jenkins is there for insurance, so if Radaglia is thrown into the ruck, maybe Jenkins comes in and can play a role. The other one waiting in the wings and has had a bit of a knee injury through preseason, but showed some great signs in the VFL the back end of last year. Is Nathan Kruger, uh, second year in the AFL system, picked up as a mature age player. They like his athleticism, so he's one to keep your, your eye on in the VFL season. Fingers crossed he's back up and running. What does the shutdown period mean for those Jeremy Cameron talks? You're across this uh, this sort of this area of their industry more than anyone in the game at the moment. I know that the, there's been a lot of talks about whether or not he'll stay or go. All contract talks have sort of been put on hold while the game's in shutdown. What does it mean for him? And do the Cats keep working away on that as a realistic target uh, for whenever the trade period could be? I think Geelong are, are proactive as any club in this space. So if, if they haven't picked up the phone at Jeremy Cameron in this period, they're not doing their job, let's be honest, because he can't sign a new deal with the Giants, although they can have contract talks. Who knows what the, the CBA and the salary cap is going to look like next year. So the Cats um, have done it before with a, with a host of players, and, and I'm sure they're going to be doing it again this season. Uh, it's just a matter of knowing what they've got to offer him because – uh, he's a free agent, so they don't need to facilitate a trade with the Giants. But in terms of, is it a million dollars? Is it $800,000? When we, we get to learn a bit more about how much the cap, uh, salary cap's going to have next year, that remains to be seen. But I'm sure the Cats, not only Chris Scott, but they've done it before with their leaders. Joel Selwood's vocal in this area. Um, we'll be getting on the phone and trying to get in his ear. You mentioned Quinton Knuckle and Brandon Parfit before. There's mm. two that could potentially move into that, that Geelong midfield, which still relies very heavily on Patrick Dangerfield. Are there any more that you could see that could could aid that midfield? I mean, it's a, it's a good midfield. It's a strong midfield at its core. Maybe lacks the depth uh, throughout. Is there anyone that you could see stepping into it? So those two guys, I sort of raise in the Cali, in, in the Cali conversation because they've got that breakaway pace and they can work through stoppages. Another guy who will get his chance at, at stages this year, let's hope the season comes back, is, is Charlie Constable. But he's more of that inside hunt the footy, um, not not known and not his biggest strength isn't his uh, run and, and burst from stoppage. So he'll he'll have a role to play at some stage. Um, the other one that I think they'd love um, to throw in there and see what it's like is Tom Atkins, who's a bull, um, tackling pressure and all those types of things. So they do have a few uh, things up their sleeve. The other one as well we can't forget is Cooper Stevens, first round draft pick. Yeah. drafted as a, as a big body, probably the Selwood replacement. I know that's big shoes to fill, but in a year or two down the track, I think he's the one that uh, should be looking to play a majority of that inside midfield role. And just a last one for me. I might have been a bit harsh at the start saying their round one performance was flat. I guess yeah. I just assessed it in a way that their their list is in a almost a weird position where they've got a lot of young kids coming through. They've got a lot of really experienced, talented kids. So they have a lot that are on the cusp, as you just mentioned, mm. those handful of players that are on the cusp. What well, in saying that, because it obviously can be really hard to to find a balance and and, and to to judge sides and to predict where they'll finish when their list looks like this. 
what is realistic for them this year? Are they, they're good players and they're older players experienced enough and good enough to take them to a flag and to challenge for a flag if Woody does come back? And are their young kids good enough to supplement that really quality A-grade talent? Or are they still the same side that we've seen in the past couple of years where their good's really good, but when push comes to shove, they might just fall a little bit short? I honestly think they can contend for the flag this year. This is a side who was 21 points up against Richmond at halftime in last year's preliminary final. And the only player they really lose out of that side is Tim Kelly. But hearing Joel Selwood speak through preseason, it's the middle-tier guys, the Jake Collajasnys, the Jack Henrys, uh, James Parsons, Sam Menegola, Cam Guthrie. These guys are the ones who need to go from B and C graders to being you know top 10 players in this side. And I think... You go back to the Geelong teams in history, 07, I know it's a long, a long time ago, it's 13 years ago, which is pretty scary, but Chapman, James Kelly, these guys were on the fringe uh, of this side. They became stars of the, of the competition. Geelong need to find a couple of those guys, and that's where the, that's where the jury's out for me right now. Yeah, I was, gonna, I was, was purely going to ask you, is it harsh to think that whether or not those guys haven't made it yet? might be a question whether or not they can, or, or we've seen examples in the competition where players have stepped into that role at 26, 27, where maybe they can step up or just play their role, execute their role on game day. That's where my query of Geelong comes, and that's why I tipped them to fall just a bit short uh, had we had a 23-round season and all being well at the start of the year. But I'm not sure. Is that a harsh view, do you think? Or no, oh, Who knows? Who, who knows what a Cam Guthrie is capable of this year if um, with no Tim Kelly in that midfield. I love Jordan Clark. Is he better on a wing? Is he better at halfback? I think wing, personally, to open up more spots um, across halfback. And what does that mean for Mark O'Connor, Jack Henry? So there's guys in that 21 to 23 age bracket who we mentioned Parker. Uh, that could be their name going forward. Parker <laughs> and Merkel. Uh, that combination. These are the guys that need to step up if Geelong are uh, still to be contending top four beyond this year when Ablett when Taylor, when Hawkins and Selwood are uh, being eased out of the side. Mitch, the Cats are certainly one of the most intriguing teams when footy resumes, and hopefully it does resume at some stage soon. Thank you heaps for joining us today. Thanks, Riley.